regular people are taking their knowledge and content, packaging it up in an online course, and they're making a living doing it. But not everyone is successful with online courses. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. And I'm here to help course creators actually succeed with online courses. Hi, I'm Jacques Hopkins, and this is The Online Course Show. Hello out there and welcome into The Online Course Show. This is the podcast where we talk about how to start and run a profitable online course business, not just how to run an online course, because a lot of times that's the easy part, creating the online course, creating the membership, creating the product is the easy part. But what I want to help you do is create a profitable online course business with all the pieces that you need in the right order to actually have a business. And the difference between an online course and an online course business is the latter actually makes money. And that's what I want to help you do. I want to help you make money, be profitable. I want to help you make an impact on other people with your work. And I want to help you have freedom in your life and not just be a slave to this and just like have created your own job here. And so that's what my goal is with this podcast to help you do these things. And a lot of times we bring on guests who have done these things to help provide inspiration and motivation to you out there, the listener. And that is exactly what we're doing here today. Today, I'll be joined by Jasmine Katatakarn. I am 99% sure I have nailed that on my first try. We certainly edit this podcast, but I think I nailed it. I think I nailed it. Jasmine will have to let me know, but uh, it was a pleasure to speak to Jasmine. She has a full-time job at Amazon. She is the mother of two. She has a busy, busy life, yet she's running a very successful online course business that allows her to, she's got the money piece, right? She's got plenty of freedom to choose whether she wants to work that full-time day job or not. And we talk a lot about why she chooses to continue to do that. It's very interesting. And she's making an impact on a lot of people. She runs the Academy of Animated Art, where she helps 3D lighting artists land their dream job in animation, right? How is that for a niche. So in this conversation, we're going to talk about how she built a multiple six-figure business in such a tiny niche. We talk about why she's choosing to still work that full-time job. You know, spoiler alert, she kind of likes it. And then how she's able to run this on the side, very successful online course business, but on the side with a family, with a job and so on. So before we get into that full conversation, let me tell you about an amazing piece of software that I've used for years, and that is Deadline Funnel. Having an evergreen deadline in your business, some sort of urgency where something expires at a certain date, is very important to making course sales, and there's no better software to help make that happen than Deadline Funnel. I would say over 50% of the guests I have on this podcast are already using Deadline Funnel. I've used it in my own online course business since 2016. It's one of the very top pieces of software that I recommend inside of your online course business. And if you're not using any sort of evergreen deadline, evergreen urgency inside of your business, that could be the key missing piece for you. And once again, there is no better way to do that than with Deadline Funnel. So the awesome people at Deadline Funnel have a special deal for listeners of this podcast, and that is a double free trial. Normally the free trial is 14 days. So actually it's a little more than double, right? Cause it's 30 days with this link. Just head to deadlinefunnel.com slash OCG. 
deadlinefunnel.com slash OCG to take advantage of that double free trial. If you're not using it, try it out for a month and see how it's going for you. That would be my recommendation to you. All right, so back to this episode, we have this full conversation. I'll try it again here. Jasmine Katatakarn with us here. And I've, I've given you the intro. I've told you some of the highlights we talk about. So the only other thing we can do is play that full conversation. So without further ado, let's roll it. Hi, Jasmine. Welcome to the Online Course Show. Hi, and good to be here. Let's start. Let's start with your story as it relates to online courses. How did you get into online courses? That is a great question. Um, you asked me, you know, 20 years ago, I'd say, what? What am I in? I'm in online courses. So the way it came about for me is I was working as a lighting artist in picture animation at Blue Sky Studios. And, you know, I had been working in the industry for about 10 years, probably at that time. And I was going on recruiting trips um, to art schools around the country, looking at portfolios. And I noticed a common theme that for my specific skill set, which was, was in lighting and 3D, um, there weren't that many portfolios that could actually get that student job. And when I came back to the studio, I was talking to my coworker at the time, and he had actually gone on recruiting trips on his own for at uh, different schools, and he found the same thing. And we we just started like casually talking, like, "Oh, that sucks!" Like. You spend all this money and you don't even leave with, you know, something to get you a job. And then I thought back to my own kind of expensive grad program. And I was like, well, what? I didn't really learn what I know now that would get me a job. And that's when we kind of turned to each other and we're like, why don't we teach it? Like we're in industry. We know exactly what our students would need to get that job, have them like super focused in. And they wouldn't have to spend a ton of money. So that's how we started um, with online courses because we both, we both work full-time as lighting artists and we weren't looking to quit our full-time job, but to kind of add this added educational support for people out there because there's a need. So online education seemed like the best course of action. And that's how we began the Academy of Animated Art. And it's been about over 10 years now since we first had that discussion. So you got the idea about 10 years ago, the landscape of online courses and, and how to execute them on the, and the technology available to us today is vastly different than 10 years ago. That's about when I started as well, about 10 years ago. What were the next steps? Like you make a decision. A lot of people make a decision like, oh, online courses, I could teach this thing, right? For you, what were those yeah. next steps to make it a reality? The next steps were, you know, I think we got a URL. <laughs> we're like, wait, let's, how are we going to do this? We did this online, got the URL. And then I remember just Googling, like, like you said, now there's so many resources out there for online courses to just like one, one shot places. At the time, it was a little bit of a mix and match. Like we got the website, but there was not just one place you can just house the content so we kind of luckily we're a bit technical so we're able to kind of navigate that and put something together so the first original course was based on a on our website i think we had like some kind of plugin where we we're able to 
uh, put video content in and like a very rudimentary and roll like a log in and that's it. And the way we started was we decided like, what, what do you want to teach? What is the first course? And we thought of the idea, we, we put up a little bit of a landing page and I still remember, and we didn't create the course at that point. We were just like, let's see, let's do this test if anyone would be interested. And I still remember we put the landing um, page up live that morning before going to work. And then at lunchtime, and we thought nothing of it. We were like, eh, no one's going to really even see it. It's not going to be a thing. I remember being at lunch and I got to on my phone and I like looked at it and I was like, someone just signed up. And we both like celebrated, like we just had created this amazing thing because it was like that first proof of concept right so that was how it started and i remember in that first course i think we did get like five or ten students which is amazing and, I, and we didn't do any like paid advertising i think and now i'm trying to think back if it was even a linkedin thing because i don't even think the linkedin was really a thing back then so i'm actually wrapping my brain on how we got that sign up um, I'm gonna have to ask my co-founder of Neuromilkers, but that first iteration, I one thing I will say it was live. It was like uh more of like uh start, but it was like a very traditional online course where it's like there's a specific start date, everyone starts at the same time, there's assignments that week, we give office hours. I don't think actually now they say it wasn't live, we, we still pre-recorded it, but it was kind of in this uh, more traditional curriculum and right now i'll say our model is different because we've iterated and figured out what works best for us but that was yeah the first and it was very tacky to be honest with you um what it looks like now is quite different but it works and that's the whole thing with writing when you have an idea you just try it you put something together it doesn't have to be the most beautiful thing and then you keep iterating and improve improve so you you had the offer out there, but the the course itself didn't exist because you planned to to roll it out and and kind of make it a, along with this first cohort, if you will. Is that fair to say? Yeah, and I still do that. Yeah, that's a brilliant strategy. It was one I wish I would have realized existed when I started ten years ago. You sound a lot smarter than than me. But the magic question is like, where did those first people come from? And it sounds like maybe it's so long ago you don't remember, but a lot of people fall into the trap of if I build it, they will come. And that's certainly what happened to me. Um, I spent a long time, like I built the course first and I spent many months working my full-time job building my first piano course. And I launched it because I heard so many stories like yours where it's like, oh, I just, you know, I put it out there and then like I go to lunch and like, oh, we got our first sale. Like, amazing. How'd this happen? (laughs) And for me, it wasn't like that. Like nobody bought right at first. Um, so where, like, how did people even know it existed to be able to go and then sign up for this offer? Yeah. So that's why I was like trying to wrap my brain back. I haven't been asked that question in a while. And what I remember is just social, honestly, where the one thing I'll say is I think we I posted like we each posted because we didn't have a school account at that point. We probably just started it, but we probably each posted it 
in our social accounts, whatever it was probably Facebook at the time, um, or Instagram or LinkedIn. That's why I say LinkedIn, but I'm not even sure how active LinkedIn was. Um, and that's where I will say the community because 3d in itself is a very niche community. I often joke that there's only like one person separating most people within 3d globally because we're such a small kind of specialty. So that I will say, but I, I agree. It's one of those things when someone says, Oh, I'm going to make something and create something. Well, most of the battle I'll say is not creating it, but getting someone to actually know it's out there with the marketing piece. Right. And I will say, as we got further into it, um, we did end up doing some paid marketing on Facebook and that really gave us the visibility um, and the expansion. And that's something that people don't really think about that they need to do, but that is how we started. I don't currently pay anymore on Facebook ads because we've gone more towards the just organic SEO. And that's more of the long game. I think once you become more established, that's definitely the way to go. You don't want to depend on paid advertising, of course. But that, I will say, like you said, is the biggest um, kind of drop-off point, right, for a creator. Because any creator can create their content. But I will say what happened is I was not a marketing person, right? I was an artist. Um, and through this journey of creating this, I know quite a bit about marketing now and I could say I could, you know, and that's what happens when, when you create, when you start an entrepreneurial journey, you end up, you know, you might not really care about accounting or finance, but you're going to know, you're going to learn a little bit about that. You're going to do that. So to answer your question about how do you create something and then get the word out there, you got to one, I think the easiest path is utilizing your own networks, you know, getting uh, posting, not, I think the biggest thing, and I still kind of fall into this, you don't want to put yourself out there, right? It's like very vulnerable. You don't want to be like selling. And I think that's the whole thing, the sales thing. And I'm very much when someone was like, I don't want to sell. Like that's, you know, it's kind of has a bad connotation to it, but I heard a quote re recently that made me smile. It's just like, there's two types of salespeople. One person that says they're a salesperson, they know that they're selling. And the other person that doesn't, they, that, that they say they hate sales. But basically the idea is everyone is a salesperson in some way or form. You just have to, come to terms with that and it's okay it's okay to sell what you're doing because you're providing a service um even now i feel bad sometimes where i'm like wait no i'm providing our students with the opportunity to change their careers or learning new craft and why should i be hesitant about sell like selling that or sharing that so i think everyone kind of needs that marketing 101 if you replace if you replace the word yeah you place the word selling with with serving um then it's a lot easier for some people and it it really helps when you truly believe in your product and it's like getting results for people because then you know that by selling you are serving somebody uh, with it um 
Normally, I would save this question more for the end, but I think it's appropriate here. You've we, we've been in this world about the same time frame, and it sounds like you're like me, where at, at, at the beginning you weren't necessarily comfortable with selling, and you didn't know much about marketing, but now you clearly do. You've learned a lot over the past ten years. So, if you got the idea today in 2023, you hadn't created this stuff yet, but if you got the idea today instead of ten years, but you know everything you've know you, you've learned, how would you go about starting today? It would be too different. I would start small. Like, so if I, and I still do this to this day, I actually just launched another program and this is exactly how I have an idea. I do document, I do kind of write it out more than I would have in the past. So, and this is just my personality. I will kind of draft out a for what my idea is. Like, why am I doing this? Is it really worth my time to do this? Right. Um, and once I have like it documented, then what I do is I start with the smallest possible task to just get it going and to test it out. So um, an example is I just launched uh, off online and on in-person uh, animation program for after school kids. So it's based off my academy, but I brought it to, you know, in person and that's totally new right how is this going to work and before committing what i did was one i kind of asked people in you get your research done right a, a bit of like is there a need for this and that's what i did i kind of asked around seeing like okay what's the need for and part of the need that i had for creating this was this, there was a lack of diversity in animation industry in general and it came to where like, oh, well, the younger generation isn't aware of the animation industry and all the possibilities. So let's play a long game. Let's extend my education pipeline from the older adults into the younger education. How can I do this? So what I did was I reached out to just like one middle school in my in New York City. And I said, would you be interested in this? Right. Before I created anything, just asked around there was interest and that's how my first beta program started. I got the buy-in and I was like, and I created the program same way as I did the other one it, during that term as we went along. So by the end of the term, I have a full program on flesh out, but I didn't spend my time like perfecting this. I think that's where a lot of us kind of get in the stock. They're like, oh, I'm going to launch this when it's perfect, when I get, get all the pieces and I'm all about no, just like launch it, test it out. It's not because it's never going to be perfect at first. And that allows you to be more flexible with iterating. So to start, Reacher started with that one class. It worked out. I got some great feedback. The students loved it. Fast forward, it's only the second year. I'm about to send kits off to over 100 students. Um, so then you kind of like grow it. So to answer the question is, the biggest thing is you have your idea, you do research, is there actually a need for it? And then you find the smallest possible way to test it with less as, as little time on you as possible. Meaning you launch that class, the sales page of that class, without creating the class yet. If, if you get the bites and people want it, there, there's a confirmation to continue on. If you don't, 
then, ooh, okay, something's not right. Either, I don't know, am I not reaching the right people? Maybe the content's not right, you know? And it gives you that flexibility to test it out before you even invest in it. And then you know you're investing in the right thing. So that's how I would go. That's how I go about it. What would you say to somebody that's scared to sell a product that doesn't exist yet? I agree. That's the that's a phenomenal way to go. And that's a way that I, I go a lot of the times and recommend to a lot of people. But the feedback I get sometimes is, is people are just scared. Like, oh, what if... You know, what, what if, uh, I can't actually deliver on the promises? Uh, what if, what if something happens, right? What, what if somebody's scared of, of going about it with this model? You have to gauge what your personality is and how you like to work. So for me, I know if I say something and then someone buys in, I'm going to get it done. <laughs> like it might be crunch time, but like, it, it puts me on, it puts the pressure on me, right? And I think for most people, that's really good to do because all of a sudden it's not, they can't procrastinate on it, right? There's, there's specific deadlines. There's things, it's like that whole thing. Once you say something, they, you know, when you want a goal or something, they often say like, say it out loud because, or like announce it, make a post about it. Because once you put it out there, then all of a sudden you do have that added pressure. And sometimes that added pressure is good because it will make you deliver. So one, I would say, if you're scared that you might not be able to deliver what you're saying, scale the scale back what you're selling, right? Make it smaller. Um, and then just start small, something that you're more confident about doing and then try it from there. But also, I would also say, don't be afraid to be scared. I often hear this. It's like, if you're not scared, you're not pushing yourself hard enough. Um, and I think it's quite true. So there's that balance. But it's also knowing yourself. So if it's your first time doing anything like this, definitely just start small. Start something that you'd be confident you already know you could do. But if you're just scared to push yourself further, um, push yourself a little further because you'll be surprised. That's how you grow, right? So that's what I would say. Um, or, you know, if your personality, if you know yourself, you know yourself best, you're like, I can't work like that. I need it all done before I launch it. Do that, you know, do whatever works for you. Let's go back to the story. At this point, you've got a multiple six-figure course business. Um, it's one thing to just you know make a few sales here and there. It's another thing to have like this real amazing business that's that's making good money and and really helping people. Was there a particular point in time over the past ten years where it like really started to take off and you um, you realized like oh this is this is going to be a real thing? Yes. I think when it really started taking off was the time we started investing back into the, the school, which meant where we started saying, okay, like we identified marketing, right, as like the biggest thing. So we invested money back into paying for Facebook ads, let's say. Um, 
And we did see the returns. Like it was growing the audience. And also, and I still remember for one of the months, it was the first time we hit over, um, you know, over 10,000 that month. And we're like, whoa, okay, this is something now. Um, before it's kind of like, oh, this is a nice thing to have. And, and then that's when I really saw, this is when you become like a business person, like less of a creator. I mean, still a creator, but I think this is what's so interesting in your journey where to get from the point of where it's just like nice, like hobby to this could be a business. You start seeing how if you invest in systems or other people to delegate out and become more the CEO of the company and not like having to do it all, that's when you really see the growth and the power. And that's a scary thing, I'll say, because all of a sudden you're, you want to, you want to keep the money, right? In a way. And, but then you realize you have to put this mental thing in your head, like, wait, but in order to grow, you have to grow a team. You have to like grow systems and that costs money. So that gets a little scary to do. Um, but that was the moment when we started investing in, in services like that. And I also acknowledge that I, did not know a lot of what was going on in the like in the business side. So I did also invest in a coach to help me, like a mentor. Same thing as when you at work you have a mentor, a boss that helps lead the way. I was like, you know what? How much would that help? So I also invest in that. Um, we ended up investing in SEO and like things and then eventually things that I just didn't want to do anymore, like accounting, right? So like that is well all of a sudden it's the business. And you have people reporting to you. And it's so gra gratifying to like have the business work when you go on vacation. I think that's the biggest sign. When you can go on vacation and you know everything's okay. <laughs> um, that's my one of my like the and that only happened not too long ago. Cause you know, we were bootstrapping it for quite a long time. So, and there's still things I do when I'm on vacation, but they're very minimal compared to like, you know, the idea of if you go away, everything just closes down with you. Um, so I think the time when we started delegating out is when we're like, okay. And this is when also we grew. So it's, yeah, one of those like catch. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're speaking my language here for sure. Um, in fact, let me, let me grab a book back here. One of my mentors just came out with a new book called The Two-Week Vacation Test. And the, the subtitle is How to Build a Wildly Successful Business That Can Run and Thrive Without You. And the two-week vacation test itself is like, literally can't do anything inside of your business for two weeks. Is it going to continue to run and even grow without you there? And I think that, you know, you mentioned the word scared for outsourcing as well. And that is another thing that struggling course creators are terrified of if they haven't done it yet is like outsourcing and they're scared because of trust issues like just giving other people access to their stuff and then they're also scared that other people are not going to do things either as well as them or the, the way they would do it right so how were you able to so quickly either not have those fears or get over those fears of outsourcing yeah I mean, I wouldn't say so quickly. I mean, I just, I will 
admit I just recently hired an editor for my videos because I could do it myself. And it took me, I waited like three years too long, to be honest with you. So it's all a work in progress. No one just like wakes up and is like, aha, I am going to do all of these things. So for me, the way I started doing it is piece by piece. I mean, this is like a thing for me, right? Like not, I'm not an all in, like go crazy all at once. Let's do little tests. And for me, I, I, I kept thinking like, oh, we need to do marketing but I was not a marketing expert. And I tried to do it myself, but I was like, you know what? And I wasn't enjoying it either. That's another thing. Outsource the things you don't enjoy, first and foremost. Um, so that's when I was like, you know what? I'm going to test this. And that's when I found someone who's an expert. And that's the thing when we think about, oh, but we can do it or we can do it better. But I'm like, no, think of that. There's people that actually, I, this, I, st- I say this to myself all the time, specialize like this is their craft and even if you know and the art is also training someone you know to be able to do exactly what you do but actually better so my thing is the first thing I outsourced was something that I didn't like and I knew was high priority so those were like two motivating factors and then that's how I started doing it. I think that's the fear of like, don't do it all at once. Pick something that will be high impact and that you don't enjoy doing and find someone to start working with. And then you'll be amazed. And then it's like triggers. And then once that starts working, then you also start learning how to run a company, right? Like piece by piece, kind of creating your own team. But that's what I'll say with the fear thing, because there is a fear thing. I still have it. There's there's areas that I know I can outsource more, and I and I have it on my list. But depending on what it is, it takes me longer. Like I said, an editor, which is very time consuming, it took me way too long to finally do that. Um, but yeah, you have this. You have this very successful business, and it hasn't come up yet. But you're still working a full time job while you're running this business. So all the more reason that you've got to leverage the time that you do spend on this very, very effectively. And so it sounds like outsourcing is one of those key things that you do to leverage your time. What else are you doing to leverage your time because you have this full-time job to um, to sustain and grow your, your, I guess, side hustle? Yeah. I mean, the outsourcing is huge. Just probably the number one thing, right? You have people doing things for you while you're not physically doing things. The other thing is to um, automate and just and like just optimize fully where you can. So um, any systems that you can have in place, like, and they, they could be very simple, right? Like we all do it. The email responses, just like, how can we automate things like that? Anything that takes up time, how do you systematize it? How do you create SOPs for it? So, you know, when you hire someone on, they can just take it on easily. Anyone could take it on. So that's how I look at everything um, that I do that takes up too much time. Or I make it it's something I have to do myself right now. I find a way to make it fun. <laughs> like if it's a one of the things I'll say with just like, I do get asked, how do you get all this stuff done all the time? And I joke that I don't watch TV. I'm like, it's, it's like a joke with my tour person or he's just like, 
he knows not to ask me about TV because I just don't really have that much time. Because instead of like in the evenings watching TV, let's say um, I'm doing some of the things that I need to do for my academy. Um, but the way I make things fun is when I do have some tasks sometimes for my academy that could be kind of tedious, that doesn't require much brain power. I like couple it with watching TV. Like I do like some TV shows. So I'm not like totally not watching TV, but I get excited. I was like, oh, I have something. So I don't know. Basically, there's so much to do all the time, but how can you make it fun? And how do you like, I might be like an overproductive person. I'm like the type of person that always wants to do something productive. Like I even started knitting at one point in my life just because I was like, oh, when I watch you be like a knit, you know, a scarf or something. So, and my, I might be going too far with this, but I'll just say I look at things and how I can optimize or also delete. Like some of the things we do a lot don't need to be doing. So there's that term, right? Is it like, how do you, you like look at your list, right? And you just list, like you prioritize and what really needs to get done and what doesn't really need to get done. And just knowing your priorities in that way really helps um because we can't always get through the to-do list but as long as we get through the most important and impactful things we're good like that's how i kind of i give myself a little bit more forgiveness in that to-do list now than i might have in the past it sounds like you would certainly have more time if, if let's say you didn't have a full-time job and you could devote your full-time working hours to this is what's the what's your motivation reason for continuing to have a full-time job even though you have this successful business yeah it's interesting um so for me for years my goal was like quote-unquote to quit my job and that would be my metric of success right for the academy and it took a long time to realize Maybe that's not what I personally need. And that's not my metric of success. And the way I look at it now is I look at my full-time job in my academy. They're just both like my businesses, essentially, right? Um, and they both bring different elements of interest um, to me. So... The way the best visual analogy I've had for this is I look at my life now as a puzzle and everything's kind of like a piece of the puzzle because everyone's puzzle pieces are, are unique to them. What makes them happy? So for me, what I realized over the years was, you know, I think this is where the mistake in a lot of people is like, I need one work career puzzle piece to make me happy. Like, I'm going to find this perfect puzzle piece that's going to do it all. And, you know, they think it's going to be running their own school or, you know, their own business or, you know, finding that free job. But what I realized, we're all multifaceted and we all have multiple interests. And same thing of like, to try to find a partner that will kind of fulfill all the needs of a friendship of like all the things wouldn't be unreasonable to think about it that way. I put way too much pressure on that part here. Um, so that's how I look at my career now on the business side. Like my full-time job, the reason why I keep it, it brings in a lot of the things and it's also helping me with the academy that I can't get at the academy right now. 
where like there's a lot of this tech side or just like innovation side of things that I really get from my full-time job and I like it. And I like running this team over here, but then I also like teaching and sharing my skill set with the academy and also growing this business. So why do I have to choose? And that kind of they help they help me be well rounded in a way, right? It's like kind of not pigeonholing me into like one thing. And the funny thing is, my coach actually said to me the other day, because I was I was talking to her about this, and she's like, you know, what would you do if you were to quit your full-time job? I think you'd be bored. She was really funny because she's like, you've been so on. Like, this is all I know, first of all, like to have my full-time job and my side hustle. Um, she's just like, because I've systematized my side hustle so much that it's good. Like, I don't need to be on it. She's like, what would you do? And I was like, I'd probably do something else because I like have that extra time. But anyway, to go back to that original question, my full-time job is like a, just a piece of my puzzle that's fulfilling one area that I really enjoy. The academy is another piece. Um, my family is another piece, you know? And I'm basically building this puzzle as an ongoing iterative, iterative thing. So once, you know, that one, and then what happens is if one puzzle piece isn't quite working for me, okay, I can take that puzzle piece out try something else, make another puzzle piece bigger. Maybe my academy piece gets bigger in the future. But that's the way I look at it now. So I'm not thinking of it like, oh, why Why am I spending this time and I could be spending my academy? Um, yeah, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, you are in animation. H- have you by chance been to the animation festival in Annecy, France? I have not. That's actually one of the only ones I haven't been to. But yeah, I've been to like, well, they have big, big animation conferences. Like it's called SIGGRAPH and uh, there's an FMX one in Germany. But I've been more to those conferences and not to more animation festivals, which, yeah, it sounds wonderful. Yeah, I'm just I'm just curious. I don't know a lot about animation. I mean, I certainly watch, you know, animated movies with my kids and whatnot, but we spent a lot of time there in Annecy, France and stumbled upon that festival one day. Apparently, it's a huge a huge deal in the uh in the animation world. Um so what about like various tools and software? You know, you're big on systems and leveraging your time and outsourcing and I'm sure certain software and tools play into that as well? Or are there are some you could share that you're using um, that help you with that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I mean, I'll say for housing my online courses right now, we use Teachable. And that's just been really great and easy to kind of house everything in one place. And, and they have a good API for like the payments and whatnot. And for for mailing, uh, we use ConvertKit. So that's also been really easy. It plugs into most of the things. Um, and then for the community, we use Discord. So again, the key is like when you're looking, because it's easy to flood yourself with a lot of software applications, but make sure they can talk to one another. I think that's a key thing, right? They can plug into one another's because like 
you know, there's a workflow going in. So when someone signs it up for a program, then it automatically pings like, so it, it's, they sign up in Teachable, it pings ConvertKit, then, convert, then that also like speaks to Discord. So like, that's what I mean when you like want to automate things and make things as seamless as possible. And also give your customers a really good experience um, straight off. So that's what I'll say about that. I haven't, I haven't picked one yet, but I will say I have been playing with some of these AI um, task management tools lately. And I do find I'm a big advocate of just like looking into all the AI tooling there is out there because I kind of joke now whenever there's something that's a pain point, I always think like, hmm, what can I Google and see? about solutions like a good example if i go back to editing i was editing something um and it was taking me a long time and like to take out all these ums right or like something and i was like it's got to be a better tool for this and i did a quick search and i found descript which you might know about already but it's an ai editing tool that also like transcribes it but will automatically take out things that you actually prompted to get it just and like just like that saved me about three hours worth of work and then like forever, right? So things like that I always look into. So whenever one of the things is if there's ever a pain point, something that I'm working on, I'm just this is, you know, not this gotta be a better way. I like write it down and either I do it right then or I do it later and I'll like Google. I'm like, how can I figure out an easier way around this? Because I always have this idea that's got to be an easier way, a tool or some kind of system or that we can implement. Yeah. I like that tool, system, person, something, um, something to make it easier. Something. Yeah. So I'm a huge fan of Descript, certainly. Um, in fact, I just launched the new version of my website here this week. And um, one new page we have is, is the top tools that I recommend for course creators. And there's only seven on there, but Descript made the list. Descript is in that top seven. So I'm a huge fan of that as well. Let's talk about your the typical journey of, of a like a buying journey for your customers, your potential customers, right? So you mentioned SEO earlier. It sounds like that's maybe one of the main paths pe- people are finding you. Um, somebody comes in, like, do you have any sort of funnel in place or is it is it simpler to that to where as I'm looking at your course library right now, do they just kind of come in, browse around, and then and then find a sales page and buy a course, or do you have uh, more of a funnel somewhere? Yeah, we have. I mean, current state, they probably do do more of what you just said, where they come in and they browse courses. But we have a funnel, and um, that's how we 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 started this funnel. And this is the funnel that we started. I will say when we started. Uh, outsourcing and I got a specific coach to help with this funnel early on but the funnel is they go through um, a master class so like one of those traditional you know kind of webinar type of things we call it the lighting master class where it's a 60 minute uh, class on you know the value of like the three things to look for in lighting and then it pitches you the program at the end of it so, and then from there, it prompts them. 
they get emailed the funnel like so if i'm looking at the journey they'll find us somehow right either through seo or whatnot um or back in the day when we had the ad the ad specifically used to say join the master class right so it would prompt them to join the master class they would watch the 60 minute master class and would then launch them into an email series afterwards right depending on if they attended this words like kind of your if you're I'm picturing like the mailing it's like create your own journey type of thing right like you know if they watch the master class if they didn't they go through one final if they didn't um if they did they go through another final and it, put, it puts them through a series of emails with you know value but also marketing i think this is where the salesy thing really gets gets to people and it still gets to me sometimes honestly because some people like it or not right um but this is where you have to put yourself out you know we're selling a product a product um at the end of the day so you want to add value but you also don't want to be shy about here's a solution to that so um so they go through the email and that is pretty much our funnel so yeah the masterclass to an email final, which then kind of prompts them with different ways. One thing I will say that we made early on of the decision is not to give discounts, like not to do sales. Um, and I'm so happy we did that because it was one of those things where I think I listened to a podcast, like once you start doing sales, everyone's just going to wait for those sales and expect it right and it also complicates things especially marketing side and for something like online courses i mean i could see it more for like retail when you have those holiday things but for online courses there's really no need and the way we priced it was so competitive so my idea was like no i'm just going to give it a really good competitive price like where it's a fraction of the cost they're getting a steal so there's no need to give discounts and I will say it's it's made a world of difference for me just to not have to manage that side of the sales part. Yeah, that's 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 certainly fair. Um, one reason that people will implement some sort of discount strategy is to have a form of urgency because urgency can be so powerful. So if you're not doing any discounts, do you have any so, uh, any other sort of urgency? Do you have anything that kind of goes away to push people to buy by a certain time? Yeah, it's a good question. We used to. And we used to. And when the pandemic hit, we took it away just because we didn't want to. Because we started getting emails from people stressed. They're like, oh, no, I want this, but I need more time and all this stuff. So once when the pandemic happened, we we're like, OK, we're going to just release it. Um, no more pressure. Just rolling it by when you want. And we've just kept it that way. We haven't brought it back because we find that we still get sales. And there's no reason. I don't like the pressure. I don't like I don't like it when people pressure me. And I get the urgency there. But since we were kind of tested it out and we did get sales, even without that pressure, then I, I'm happy to release that part of it. But I understand. Um, and I think that's more of the standard to kind of have that limited time frame and i know there's it does well right i know courses that will only launch once a year 
And it's amazing. And they, they do all their signals like within a month or two. And that's great. Um, we just don't have that anymore. Yeah. I mean, what I like to do is bring people on who are successful here and, and try to dissect it a little bit so that listeners can, can glean off what could possibly work for them. So there's no one like exact right path you have to do, you know, you have to have urgency because people like yourself are making it work without, um, to give a sense of, if you wouldn't mind just maybe sharing some numbers, like how, how, how impactful is this? Like how, how many sales are you making? Um, whatever numbers you're comfortable with sharing, um, to give some perspective on how well the business is doing. Yeah. I'll say like current state, we average, we come in with about 20, 20 K a year, um, without, and that's all no paid ad per, per month. Right. You said, you said year. I, I was pretty sure it was per month. Oh, I, now, I, now we, yeah, we bring in 20K a month and that's purely on the course sales. It doesn't even include the, the new offerings that I have with the after school programs. And it's pretty, it's consistent where it's really nice. I think that's a thing where I'll say with, just entrepreneurial online courses it's that fear of like oh is it consistent or is it you know just one one month 20k one month zero right and i'll say once you get your systems in place and especially this is where i see like whatever marketing strategies you have it should be consistent and that this took me a while to get to like oh there is a way that's just your norm and so we've been at 20k a month for about two years and we're looking to grow. Um, one thing I will say when I say the 20K a month, it's not like 20K just, and this is one thing I like to kind of talk to people about because you hear 20K a month and you're like, oh, you're making 20,000 a month. You're like, that's like in pocket. But I'm like, no, it's not really in pocket because one, you have expenses, but then it's also how you choose to utilize that. Like for my case, I do tend to put almost all of it back into the business to help grow it. Um, but I do agree for actually, this is one of the best things I, I did that book, um, profit, profit first, or like that method methodology of that's how you run your business. And if you haven't heard it, do profit first, because what that does is whatever income that you might need, you take it out, right? Um, and it also like helps you figure out all the financials. So at the end of the year, you won't be surprised by any means. Um, so I use the profit first method. So that way I can really be specific, like from that amount that's coming in, how much is going out, how much of its profit, how much is this going back in, how much am I paying myself? Um, and depending on your situation, you can customize it to what you need. In that time, so that's why I wrote that. I'll spare you from walking back to my shelf again, but that is one of the few books back here. That's Profit First. It's back there. Absolutely huge believer in it as well. But you say like the majority of it, you're you're trying to invest back into the business, and you have that luxury because you have a, a full time income and all that. But you also said that you're not running paid ads anymore. So when you say invest back into the business, what are you what are you investing in at this point? I'm investing in people, really. Well, so I'm investing in one, I'm not doing paid ads anymore, but we are investing a lot in SEO. 
in SEO, we have an SEO team that's, you know, SEO can be quite costly, right? So we took the funds from the ads and put it more in towards SEO. Um, the other thing is outsourcing or delegating tasks. So we're saying the more, like you said, how can I, how can you go on vacation and the business runs? Well, in order for that to happen, you have to kind of create a team to or a, te- a team or systems to invest in to be able to do that. So for me, I am now hiring, like I said, an editor, right? So that frees up my time. And I think that's the biggest thing I will say as an entrepreneur. Time is actually your biggest, like, most important thing. And that's the first thing that goes when you're an entrepreneur because you're kind of like taking, you're like, oh, my time, my, I'll do it, I'll do it. But once you free up your time, that's actually when you can think big. You can start thinking bigger and where you want to grow this business instead of being in in it and not being able to really navigate because you're so like focused on something that probably isn't going to help you. But to go back, where's the money going? It's going into new course creation too. So instead of me fully doing the course creation, now I'm investing in others to grow that community. Um, community, uh, community manager, you know, like all the, basically creating a team. Um, that is where my going. So instead of keeping it all for myself and just kind of trying to do it all myself, now I'm thinking, no, I'm going to take that, get my time back to help grow the business and then use that to create new content um, that other people are helping to create, expand marketing and reach, which is happening with SEO. Um, I still invest in a coach to help kind of bring me to the next level, right? Um, and yeah, and then also I'm investing in this new program, this after school program too. So new, new con like totally, and it allows me to explore different avenues. So next, I want to ask you about uh, testimonials, which I find huge for my business, both with um, teaching piano, like perspective customers being able to see what people can sound like at, you know, my students actually playing piano and talking about the program or on this side of things where I'm helping people with courses, like hearing people talk about that they actually got results with their own course business and so on. Um, have you, as a, as kind of a systems person, have you figured out a good, like, system yet for for generating testimonials that's a good question because that's so funny you say that because i have like um to answer your question no <laughs> i haven't but now you're making me think about it well and maybe i'll come back to you to see what you have because right now what i do and that's funny i was about to write an email specifically essentially like a testimonial i get emails all the time from students and they're great and I'm always like, what can I do with this? And my hacky way of doing it now is I'll take like a screen, either I, I'll flag it, I'll put it into a folder if it's on an email. But what I normally do is I'll take like screen grabs of, you know, a message or whatnot, or we, we get visuals as like examples. And we have a Dropbox that's called testimony, a Dropbox folder called testimonials. And we just put it in there. And that's kind of where we put the bucket of it. And to utilize it, we have a social media person, um, again, delegating, that will then 
go into the testimonial folder and look through it and then create um, posts around it. So that's how we do it now. But honestly, it's not the most, the best way it works. It works. That is a system. I mean, you've got at the very least, you should be saving the nice things that people are saving. And and a lot of people aren't even doing that. Um, it's, you know, that's, that's certainly one of the main things that keeps me going in both of my businesses just absolutely makes my day. Somebody I've never, you know, even heard of or met, you know, they bought my course a few months ago and now all of a sudden, all of a sudden they can play piano and they're sending me this nice message. It just lifts me up the rest of the day, the rest of the week. Um, so at the very least, you know, Clip that, and whether it's a video or or, or a email or whatever, you know, save save all of those somewhere so that you know if you're having a bad day, you can go revisit those, or we can use them for marketing purposes um, or whatnot. So it sounds like you do have a system in place, and that's great. Yeah. Well, that actually reminds me really quickly. I actually have I didn't mention I have a fo- I have a folder in my photos um, on my on my ca- on my phone. It's called, what is it called? It's called Impact and Pick Me Up. And I actually screen grab on my phone and I'll put it in that folder for that exact reason. On the days I'm like tired and, you know, why am I doing this? And I can go into that folder and it has just all those messages. Not all of them, but a, a couple of them. Yeah. So I can do that and then I'll smile and I'll be like, okay. It's a good, uh, like, we're good. That's great. So I love that you said You know what else I do? And I don't recommend this for everybody, but I also save the bad ones, the people that crap on me. But that's more because I, like, I am like an online course business coach and I can show people examples of like, you know, I get tons of hate too. Like if somebody's getting trolls and haters, I can be like, look at this. Like I've experienced it all. Uh, you would not believe how ruthless piano teachers are and how hateful they can be. So I save those too. I don't save the belly don't. ones, but I definitely have don't. I don't recommend it, <laughs> but I do for for my particular case. So, um, so let me ask you this, Jasmine. What has having this successful online course business allowed you to do or experience that maybe you wouldn't have been able to uh, if you had never created it? It's interesting. I think what it, and I'm just thinking about this as you say it, because I never really thought of it, but it made me realize I can impact other people. I think before I started this school, I know it's a big one, but like before I started this school, I was just very much focused like my career, what I'm doing me, 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 essentially, right? Like what I'm doing doesn't really have any importance either to anyone outside of just me and getting a salary. Um, And what I realized, and this goes back to like those messages we get from people, it's it's still a surprise to me. Like when I get these messages, it's always always like, it's like, wait a minute, this is changing someone's life. Like you can... It's amazing the power that a single person can have by just deciding to put content out there, right? Um, You can change someone's day. You can change someone's life by creating this course. Uh, 
and you can reach someone that you've never met before. So I think that is, I don't know if I would have really had this kind of bigger realization on that front. Of course, you impact people on, you know, where you work, but it's, it's very different when you're creating something kind of in isolation a lot with this online creation. And then someone from like across the world can reach out to you and say, thank you. You changed, you helped me in some way. And it's very humbling. Like, so I know, and I would have never expected that when I started this. And I'm definitely a very different person because of it. So I'd say that has been the biggest impact being able to know that a single person can impact someone by doing a course. That's perfect. That's a, that's a perfect way to wrap it up. Um, so th- thank you so much. Uh, this was great to dive into your story and thanks for sharing all the, the wisdom with the audience. So um, call to actions. Where can people, you know, I don't think we've mentioned your, your website yet. I'll certainly do that in the intro and the outro, of course, but if you could just tell people where they could find your stuff or connect with you online. Yeah, so the Academy, it's called Academy of Animated Art, and you can find us at academyofanimatedart.com, and that's our handle for Instagram and everything, Academy of Animated Art. And then to find me personally, you can find me on Instagram or uh, at jazzkatat with two Zs. It's a little awkward, J-A-Z-Z-K-A-T-A-T, or on LinkedIn, and if you want to connect on kind of the entrepreneurs. Great. Thanks for coming on, Jasmine. Take care. Thank you for having me. All right, that is a wrap on that full conversation. I hope that you were able to get at least one thing out of that, one golden nugget, one piece of value that you that has made you think that you're going to go apply something to your business. If you can take away one thing from a podcast episode, then I've done my job here. Thank you to Jasmine for joining me here on episode 211. You can find any show notes and links that we discussed here by heading to oc.show slash 211. And look, sometimes people listening to this, they they need some guidance. They need some coaching. Coaching is one of the things that has been a total game changer for me. And I think that as long as you can fit it in your, your budget and your time, that everybody pursuing something like this, a successful online course business, should have some sort of accountability, should have some sort of guidance, advice, feedback system And at the Online Course Guy brand, we have coaching programs no matter where you are on your journey. Now, I'm not the only one doing this. And so please, at the very least, look into what the options are because I think you should have somebody that you can go to and count on. If you want to explore the offerings that we have for helping you start or grow an online course business, then please check out oc.show slash coaching. Once again, we've got multiple programs to try to meet you where you are and depending on what kind of goals you're trying to accomplish as well. So check out our offering there at oc.show slash coaching if you're looking for some coaching of your own. Thanks for tuning in to yet another episode here. I am rooting for you and your success in your online course business, and I'll see you in the next episode. Take care. (laughs) 